Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Solutions Watch. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you in December of 2023. And stop me if you've heard this before. Control oil and you control nations. Control food and you control the people. Well, okay. That was a very, very poor imitation, but that was, of course, an imitation of Heinz Alfred Kissinger, better known to the public as Henry Kissinger, a.k.a. the recently departed Henry Kissinger. And if you don't know about, well, Kissinger's recent death and the lowlights of his ignoble career, then you have some catching up to do. So I will direct you in the direction of my recent flashback episode 106 on Meet Henry Kissinger, which is the visualization of that 2009 podcast episode I had going through some of the, uh, well, the lowlights of Kissinger's career. But that quotation that I just poorly imitated there uh, is one of those ones that if you are in the conspiracy realist space, you have no doubt come across in over the years. It is bandied about quite a bit, and it is generally put forward that supposedly, allegedly, Kissinger in the 1970s sometime said something about control control oil and you control nations, control food and you control the people. There's also a variation that involves control money, etc. Well, like so many of these quotations that get bandied around in the uh, in the alternative media, uh, there's absolutely no sign, no proof, no source whatsoever for this. So giant asterisk on that if you want to go actually perpetuating that quotation as if it were real. Nonetheless, like many of these quotations, although there is absolutely no sign that it came directly from the horse's mouth uh, in this case, it certainly has the ring of truth to it. Because yes, control oil, and you can control nations, as we have seen, as for example, as I documented in the Big Oil documentary, or if you look at control food and you control the people, I think that should be self-evident to anyone paying attention to world history in general, let alone the history of the last few years. And this should not be revelatory or groundbreaking insight to people in the Corbett Report audience who might remember that I opened up this year at CorbettReport.com with an editorial series on what is the future of food, which I followed up with who is behind the Great Food Reset, and I capped off with the future of food is ours to decide. If you don't remember those particular reports, I will commend them to your attention. I think they are important reports uh, going forward, and I think I'll have more to say on that in the near future. Um, I also covered earlier this year the Future Food False Flag, episode 438 of the Corporate Report podcast, where I talked in great detail about the literal attack on the food system that is taking place and the way that the the overall food supply is increasingly under fire from the powers that shouldn't be, as they are attempting a great food reset, to reset your dinner plate, as it were. And why would they do that? Well, again, regardless of whether Kissinger actually said it or not, certainly there is a concerted attempt that is happening farmer gates on down to control the food supply in order to better control the people. But this is Solutions Watch, so I will take all of that problem and the crisis for granted. We know about the problem, right? And if not, please do follow the links to those previous reports where you can find out more about them. But let's Solutions Watch, so let's concentrate on a solution today. A simple, perhaps deceptively simple solution, community gardening. Something that, well, most people in the situation they're in can probably start doing today, even those in urban environments. And I say that advisedly. Well, uh, this, again, should not be a groundbreaking or revelatory idea. I have talked about it in the past. For example, 
you might might recall, back in the beginning of 2015, uh, as part of the Asia Pers- Pacific Perspective video series. Remember that one? I talked to Brock West, now video editor extraordinaire Brock West, then Asia Pacific Pre- Perspective editor <laughs> Brock West, about uh, community gardening efforts that he was involved in at that time. So I, I'll put that flashback in the uh, in the links if you're interested. I've also talked about the subject with regards to, for example, guerrilla gardening back in episode 299 of the Corporate Report podcast, where I looked at urban gardening, guerrilla gardening, activists creating food out of food deserts. Um, There's a lot of information in that report. Uh, I also talked about community gardening in Good News This Week, the New World Next Week edition for November of 2021. Um, the Thanksgiving edition, where James and Pilato and uh, and myself we covered that concept of community gardening. So I have talked about this over the years, but it's not like you need the corporate report to tell you about community gardening. Everyone knows about this activity, right? Right? Well, maybe. But how often do we think about it? We know there is a food crisis on the way. We know that the powers that shouldn't be are trying to get you to eat the bugs and trying to get you to accept the bio-lab-produced gunk that uh, will, oh my god, impossible meat. Yeah, I can't believe it's not meat. Well, you better believe it's not meat and that it's not going to be good for you. So uh, we obviously need to start taking the food supply back into our own hands to the extent possible. And yes, of course, there will be those people who always, well, actually, you can't grow everything you need. <laughs> so don't take any steps whatsoever towards food self-sufficiency, right? Because you can't get 100% all in one step. Therefore, don't try. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's counteract that. Let's show what can be done just by, in fact, not even going very far outside of your home in some cases. Uh, again, I'm speaking very specifically because as part of, as you may or may not know, Brock West, video editor extraordinaire Brock West was over here in Japan uh, just a couple of weeks ago, um, helping me to film some things related to, for example, this food concept that we're talking about today. And as part of that, uh, we did have a chance to go down to Osaka and it was, well, mostly work, but some play. We got, for example, to see a gig by Corporate Report subscriber slash supporter uh, Tsuyoshi Dr. Blues Matsuo and Mojo at the Highlander Pub in Osaka. That was a very fun uh, little trip that I got uh, to, to make and to meet some Japanese supporters here. Very interesting. And also, we got to meet, hang out with, and interview Brian, who is a organic farmer, an organic non-GMO farmer, um, who is increasingly tied into the organic farming community there in Osaka. And uh, he also runs the No Mask channel on Odyssey. So that will be in the links so that you can go and check out his Odyssey channel. Uh, But I had the chance to talk to him about community gardening. So myself and, and Brock West and my friend and bandmate Sean Smith went out there to record a little interview and some various footage for some of the things that I'm working on. And we got a chance to talk to him about the concept of community gardening, the community garden that he has uh, joined and is participating in, what he has learned from it, and the way that it's growing forward from here. So let's take a listen to a bit of that interview. So tell us how you got started in doing this DIY gardening. 
How I got started? Um, toilet paper. What? Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I remember standing in a line of about 100 people who were ready to snatch up all the toilet paper because they thought that there would be a shortage of paper and it was all going to the masks. So I remember standing uh, in line and when the doors of the uh, supermarket opened, this flood of humanity comes running on both sides of me. And I told myself, uh, don't run. You're still human. Walk. And I just thought after that experience, if they can, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, they, and I'm sure your, your viewers will uh, understand, but if they can create that kind of fear over toilet paper, what kind of fear can they create over a food sort shortage or even more importantly, a water shortage? So. so what was your position at that time with regards to your food security or insecurity? I probably was like every other common bloke. I just ate everything that came from the supermarket and expected to see the, you know, the perfectly round and perfectly formed tomatoes and without any holes. And, you know, um, I was just like your regular guy. And um, when that incident occurred at the supermarket and this field here opened up, I just had to jump on it and just started learning. Yeah. So tell us about where we are and what we're doing here. What is this? Well, this is a rental. All of these are rental spaces uh, here in Ibaraki City, here in Osaka. And uh, a lot of the spaces here are rented out by people who have been doing this for years and years and years. I'm actually the youngest in this, in this community. And um, I'm basically just, uh, it's not only about growing my own food, but it's also about trying to understand like how our ancestors survived. I mean, our ancestors didn't go to the big box down the street and buy all of their agricultural needs. Uh, you know, they had to use natural materials like I use here. I use bamboo and natural twine. I kind of just want to understand how they did it. So it's kind of a test. It's, it's kind of a test, kind of my own research. But also it's nice to have your own, your own homegrown vegetables at home. Absolutely. So you've been doing this about three or four years? I've been in almost three, three years now. Okay. And at, I assume the people in the community help contribute oh, their ideas? Daily. There, there isn't a day that goes by that somebody doesn't teach me one little point that you know, it's all part of the greater knowledge of uh, growing your own. Mm. Did you know that this place existed before you started looking for it? Yes, actually, uh, I lived up there. <laughs> uh -huh. So you were looking down on it. I was looking down, and, and years ago I would look down, and, and honestly, I mean, literally and figuratively, I'd, I'd look down at the people here and mm. think, look at those people, you know slugging through the mud and all the dirt and the cow manure and I just looked down on them and now here I am. So um, this has been here for as you say as long as you've been here right? Yeah. And people are teaching each other. For people who can't see at home we are definitely in an urban environment with lots of houses. This is a residential area. Um, talk to the people at home who are thinking, oh, I can't do that in my place. There's nothing like this. I need more space. 
anybody can do this. Uh, you just need some good soil, which you can buy. You need good sun. And you just need to have confidence that nature is going to provide, the plants are going to grow. It's not really that difficult. And if you do mess up and have to replant or something just doesn't come out as well as you want it, just try again next season, you know? Okay. Can you uh, show us uh, some of the stuff you're doing and what we can help you with? Sure, sure. Okay. Um, you've already seen this in uh, some of your footage. Th these are daikon radishes. Mm -hmm. I planted 40, um, lost a few, but hey, that's normal. That? That's normal. Yeah. Um, I have also cilantro or uh, coriander, they call it. Behind that I have broccoli, I have cauliflower. Um, on the other side I'm growing red onions and all kinds of things. And what are you looking forward to the most from this harvest? Um, I'm not really looking forward to this harvest per se, but the, the first year of doing it was just learning the basic techniques, okay? And I've got that pretty much down. What I'd like to do is, you know, in the next stage is to learn how to make your own seeds. Because that's also a skill in itself. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's all great on your dinner table, and, and at night, sometimes I look down and I, and I say, I grew this, and I yeah. grew this, and I grew this, and like, hey, 70%, I grew myself. Yeah. It's a very... Make your own seeds, that's easy. Just when you're done eating, there's some seeds, you go plant them in the garden, it's Bob's your uncle. <laughs> it's not that easy. Actually, oh. a lot of these plants have to, have to flower. And a lot of them do. And once they flower, that's where you get the seeds from. Hmm. All right. I'm looking forward to trying some stuff. What are you going to show me today? Well, um, I'm going to show you how they make this kind of uh, natural trellis in Japan mm. using the straw, okay. the rice straw. Yeah. I'd like to ask you to help me to prepare some soil for a couple of things I'm going to be planting. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're actually going to pull up a daikon or two. Awesome. Let's do it. Are you a fan of uh, pakuchi, cilantro? Absolutely not, but mm, I can stomach it. It's really funny. It's a, it's a very 50-50 yeah. kind of thing. 50% people love it. And I don't get the soapy taste that some people say, but it's not a happy taste. <laughs> but we'll try it. Yeah. Yeah. Very easy to grow, actually. Good. Very hardy plant. It's very easy to grow. Now, once again, that is Brian, an organic non-GMO farmer who is working in Osaka now and who is not only participating in that community garden, but also has contacts with the farming community and is really expanding his own knowledge as he propagates it forward to others, which is an important part of this learning experience that I think we'll highlight a bit later on. But uh, essentially, yes, I went to go see that community garden and he showed me around and got me even planting and pulling some daikon and other such activities. Not as much as we would have liked, but there's never enough time when you're out there filming a bunch of stuff. But it was, it was quite the experience and I look forward to seeing his garden again in the future. Um, but I think there is a, 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 quite a few lessons to take out of it. One is that the organic farming aspect of what Brian is talking about is not... Although, of course, it is about organic heirloom seeds and or non-GMO 
products, uh, produce being sowed in the fields. Of course, that is part of it. But it's also about working with the land, working with natural natural ingredients, natural um, products and materials, not working with cheap store-bought plastic Chinese slave-made goods to uh, the trellises and other such things that are required for the gardening. No, 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 no. These are, uh, as Brian likes to to talk about, any time there is an opportunity for something natural, organic, something real um, to be used in the gardening, uh, he prefers that. And one interesting example actually came while we were filming. Um, I did not have the proper boom arm for the, the microphone that we were using, and you can't see it in that interview, because obviously it was being held off off camera by Sean Smith, but um, the boom that we were using was actually just a bamboo pole that was that he, Brian had lying around in the garden, and we tied the microphone to the pole with some rope, <laughs> and it worked absolutely perfectly as a boom. <laughs> you do not need store-bought uh, manufactured products to do things that well, presumably, <laughs> assuming they had such problems back in older times, it would have been solved by something more like that. At any rate, we'll put it that way. And I think that's an important part of it. Another aspect, as I say, of the, what Brian is talking about here and what he stresses is the communal aspect, not just of the garden itself, but of the gardening. And more importantly, of the shared wisdom that is spread by people in the community garden to each other, learning learning your way forward, becoming a part of the community, and learning from others about, for example, the local farming practices or gardening practices that may not may not be familiar to you if you're not from that area, and that may have very specific, not just cultural tradition, but actual reasons for using. One of which, um, which Brian uh, let me in on, was the practice of using uh, momigata, rice husks, in these gardens. And there are a number of different uses. I'll throw in a link to a Japanese page if people can read Japanese or get it translated online, um, you, where there are a number of different ways to use momigara in the garden. Um, but one that uh, Brian learned about and now employs in his own ar- organic gar- gardening involves using momigara as a form of pest control. Okay, James, there's a uh, very interesting custom here in Japan, um, after the rice harvest, there's tons of this, uh, what they call momigara. This is basically the, uh, the rice husk. And if you notice, there's a lot of the rice husks scattered around these plants. And one reason for that, and this is very interesting, imagine you're a slug and you're crawling along here with that, you know, slimy little body. And these things start sticking to you, one after the other. Very, very irritating experience for the slugs, so they just basically move on. Once again, Brian, organic, non-GMO farmer of the No Mask channel, sharing some of the insights that he has learned about organic, non-chemical forms of pest control utilized in the Japanese garden. And as I say, there are many other uses for the momigata, the rice husks as well, but that's one of them. And it's the type of thing that you learn when you join a local garden community garden and start learning from the other people there that you may not have known. You may have seen those rice husks uh, spread around, but not quite. Why is that there? Well, that's why. And those are the types of things that we can learn 
uh, from each other as we start growing in this abundant world that is around us. And that strikes me as one of the things that really draws me to this solution as a solution for Solutions Watch is that of all the solutions that I cover, this one in particular, the act of gardening, planting something in the earth and seeing it grow and sprout and become something else to give its abundance, which then provides even more seeds so that you could do that again in the future. As has been observed before, you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. That is a profound and remarkable truth. It truly is miraculous how abundant the earth is. And to a certain extent, I think we are engineered into a scarcity mindset that it's a, oh, it's a fixed pie and it's a shrinking pie and we're all fighting each other for every scrap of square inch and, oh, it's a dog-eat-dog world and we all got to hate each other and, oh, and, oh, the, the powers that be are oppressing us. The world itself is abundant. Things will grow if we plant them and tend to them. And that is a remarkable thing to keep in mind. I think there's a mentality that goes along with gardening, let alone the physical act of getting your hands dirty and working with the earth that I think is good good for the soul as well as good for the good for the stomach. Anyway, well, to get all philosophical on you. But as usual, Solutions Watch is not a spectator sport. It is a participatory activity. So I'm particularly interested in hearing feedback from corporate reporters in the crowd about your own experience with community gardening, good or bad, or in between, as most things usually are, and your own experience of what is in your area, what isn't in your area, how you could contribute to that, what you plan to do in the future, maybe what you harvested this year. I think all of that is valuable feedback for people in the Corporate Report community to start learning from each other. And I know that there are Corporate Report members like Gavin Mouncey, who's recently uh, appeared on uh, Meteor Monarchy to talk about uh, fermentation and other gardening tips. So hopefully people like that will be able to contribute their knowledge uh, in the comment thread as well. So Corporate Report members are, as always, invited to log into corporatereport.com and leave your feedback there in uh, the comments for today's episode of Solutions Watch. I think I'm going to leave this one here today, but ah, why not? Let's watch James digging up a daikon, huh? Anyway, I thank you for your time and attention today, and I look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Well, James, that's a pretty nice one. Um, should taste really good, but uh, why don't you try to handle that baby? You say that with such glee that I'm beginning to dread this, but okay, let's, let's give her a pull. <laughs> All right, yeah. Beautiful. Huh. Which one tastes better? Mm, size does matter, but actually this one. <laughs>